This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. The Blitz 1170 stream is brought to you by Duck Creek Casino, your hometown casino. All right, welcome back in here at 236 on the Blitz 1170. My name is Jeremy Poplin, hanging out with you this afternoon at Ike's Chili House here in lovely, lovely Tulsa, 11th and Rockford. It's National Chili Day, and Ike's is our studio sponsor, so we thought, you know what, we'll come out here, hang out with my man Lynn at uh, the greatest chili joint in the entire world right here at Ike's Chili House. All right, let's set up the hotline and welcome in our next guest, a uh, man that I am sure's phone is uh, buzzing left and right with inquiries from radio stations and also podcasters everywhere. He is Bob Thompson, joining us now, the uh, retired president of Fox Sports Network and the co-founder of the Big Ten Network. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here in Tulsa this afternoon. How are you doing, sir? Uh, well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, what is the what's the number one question that you get asked the most now through all your various media interviews? Is there one that sticks out more than the other? Uh, probably two. Number one is when's the Pac-12 <laughs> going to get a TV deal? And number two is when is everything going to be streaming as opposed to linear television? Okay. All right. Well, you know what? We were having conversations about that yesterday, so I would love to hear your thoughts in the beginning on just the streaming versus linear. Um, there's a lot of information that's out there. Um, I, I, it's of my opinion, and I would love to hear if you think I'm wrong on this, like streaming, streaming burst onto the scene. Uh, there was a lot that was hyped about it, and I think that streaming has now had to kind of, in a way, like reorganize. We've seen the amount of money that they're losing now, but by no means do I feel like that streaming has absolutely off linear television yet. It may get there sometime in the near future, Bob, but I don't think that we're close to it or as close as what some people want to make it out to be. You know, I, I got to agree with you. I really think that it's streaming did burst on the screen scene and, and for certain types of programming, uh, scripted dramas, things like that, streaming is a large percentage of the viewing. And you've seen a lot of the scripted dramas move off broadcast networks and the cable linear networks and over to streaming. It has a much longer shelf life there and, it, and uh, it's just a good spot for it. You, but if you look at news and sports, uh, very little, uh, of that is viewed on streaming channels. Um, and then you brought up a, a very good point. I think it was four or five streamers, uh, Disney plus W Warner brothers, discovery, Paramount plus Peacock reported it's like $8 billion in losses last year. And that's just not a sustainable business model. And, you know, especially if you say, okay, well, they don't even really have any sports on there yet. So if now all of a sudden we're going to put sports on there, uh, you know, then, then you're only going to increase the cost basis. So you know, it used to be Wall Street was looking for uh, increased subscriber numbers every quarter from the, from the streaming companies. Now it looks like they're uh, really just looking for them to lose less money. And the only one that seemed to have figured it out so far is two companies, one Netflix, 
because they, you know, they continue to make money. And number two is Fox because they're smart enough not to do anything yet. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up that point um, of all of the, the entities. Fox is that one lone standalone that said, you know what, how, how about we just continue to focus on what we have via linear uh, and also on the cable product with the FS1s of the world uh, and, and really sink and put effort into to live sports. It, it, do they I guess did they have the knowledge and see what was potentially coming down the road that there might be some obstacles before they were willing to jump into this? Because if anyone's in the proper position to me, it's them to kind of see who finds their way through the weeds through streaming before they, they actually put any efforts into that. Yeah, you're, you're right. I think that, uh, you know, they do have uh, a, an outfit called Tubi, which is a, kind of a that supported streaming service. But by waiting, you know, they're certainly not um, having significant losses. And the other thing they're not doing is they're not cannibalizing their current linear business, whether it's Fox Broadcasting or uh, FS1 or, or any of the other um, channels they have. You know, they've got some Fox News offshoots that are st- streamed, and you can get the Fox Broadcast Network and most of the sports on, on the Fox Sports app, but they haven't really gone full in. And I think so far it's proven to be a, a good a very good um, approach. You got to remember, you know, the bundle was a, a really good business for a long time. And sure, the business has, has fallen from maybe 9,500 million homes down to 70, 65 million homes. But that's still a significant chunk of homes. And if you look at how much of the news and sports viewing is done on, on the, the linear networks, it's a significant portion compared to like two or three percent of total streaming viewing is on sports. So the rest is on linear networks. And I think that it's going to continue that way. I think at some point the streamers are going to have to figure out how to make money. And if they have to figure out how to make money and it's just the only way they can do it is to charge you more and you've got four or five streaming services and all of a sudden they're 25 bucks each or 30 bucks each all of a sudden that cable bundle you used to have doesn't look so bad. And so I think you might see it leveling off of the, the cord cutting. And then potentially at some point as the streamers go try to find profitability, there might be some increases on the, on the cable and satellite bundles that, that we hadn't expected. Are there misconceptions that you read about or you might hear someone talking about when it comes to – you know, deals that are signed, um, whether it's a Big 12 deal or, or the impending Pac-12 deal, do you hear misconceptions that you feel like that need to be corrected? And what are some of those um, that are talked about by people that really have no true understanding of what the negotiation tactics are like within, within a room in a setting like that? Well, a couple that, that come to mind is <clears throat> a lot of people quote various numbers that a media deal is worth. And Sometimes that's just the, the, the pure media deal, which is for the conferences, you know, football, basketball, and, and other television rights. Then other people will say, well, here's a number, and that's the real number. Well, that number includes, you know, the conference television rights, but it also includes, say, CFP revenue and bowl game revenue and NCAA basketball credits and, you know, whatever other revenue streams. And then you take that total number, you divide it by the number of schools in a conference and, 
and all of a sudden that's the number. So you're really comparing it. It's an apples to oranges basis, and it's not a true comparison. But I see a lot of that. Um, I see a lot of people, you know, the, the whole idea of streaming. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you got to go. You got to go now. Well, I, I just don't. You got to go full streaming now. I don't think that makes sense because it's kind of proven over the years that you don't you don't want to trade exposure um, and reach that a linear broadcast or cable network can get you for for money. You know, if you if you if you trade trade the reach and sure you get money, but the product goes away at the end of the day, you're probably not going to be real happy with the outcome. So those are probably the two most um, kind of fallacies that I, I see out there. So I, I want to take the, the Pac-12 uh, example with the, the story that came out from the Post about how Apple is now involved in this. We looked up Apple's subscriber numbers yesterday, and it was around 50 million. But half of those numbers were still in the uh, free offer that you get from buying an Apple product. So you cut those numbers in, in half automatically. And also, they're the, in terms of this, the subscribers, they're the lowest in terms of a streamer that has the automatic renewal of people that are going back. It's somewhere in the neighborhood like 15 to 20% less than I think what Netflix is and even, and even Hulu. Um, so when, when you look at, at a situation like that, I think if, if the Pac-12 does get involved with them, with what you just said, um, to me, you are narrowing down the amount of exposure that you get to a, a pretty large number. And you're also, to me, if they go full streaming, are you not also giving away what is one of their most valuable entities, which is that late kickoff window that so many networks have talked about craving, or at least that's what's been put out there in the media? It almost seems like that they're tang- taking their most valuable product and almost throwing it in the ocean like that doesn't matter anymore by just taking the streamer's money. I think you're right on the, you know, the 50 million and, and half of them probably don't even know they have it. Um, and at some point they'll figure it out. I mean, it's kind of like with, with Amazon prime and um, you know, a lot of the people had Amazon prime because they wanted free shipping. They didn't really even yes. know there was a video product that went along with it, let alone how to get it onto their TV. So there's an education process. And I think Apple can do that, you know, but still it's a much smaller number. If that's how the tax 12 decides to go all in with streaming, um, you know, you could certainly look at some others out there and say, well, that, this this outfit is much more broadly distributed. And why aren't you doing this with Amazon as opposed to to Apple? I think with Apple, you know, the, and you talk about the Saturday night, 730 Pacific, 1030 Eastern window, which has been a valuable product, you know, for the Pac-12. Uh, you know, they like to hate it, but they also like the value in it. Um, nobody likes to kick late and certainly not in certain of those areas in the, in the fall and winter. It's a little cold, but I think that the PAC, what, what the PAC 12 could and or Apple could do is similar to what Apple did with the MLS. And that is they bought, they bought the, all the MSL rights and that way they, they have the tonnage and they're going to charge an extra fee for that. But they've also gone and done a sub license deal for a certain number of MLS games that will air on Fox. And that could be something that, okay. that is possible with, with the Pac-12 as well. You know, you could go, you could go all in with Apple and Apple could, could sublicense some certain number of games to give you that reach in that, in that, you know, that important 7.30 Pacific time zone when you're up against really nobody. Is it alarming to you that they don't have a deal yet that, 
they had to wait seven months to have some sort of release that came out. And, and all of us have all of our eyes glued on this here because, I mean, you've heard all the rumors about potential expansion with the Big 12 and your mark versus George and everything else back and forth. Is it alarming to you from being someone that's been in that position before that they don't have a deal yet? Um, it's gone on for, for quite a while, but you got to remember some things have changed. So back when the Big 12 <laughs> did their deal, and it was obviously very smart of, of Brett and, and his folks to get out ahead and, and get a deal done and wrap up a deal with their two existing partners in Fox and, and ESPN and ESPN Plus. So they've got broad distribution going forward. They've got some cable distribution, and they've got a piece of streaming, <laughs> you know, sticking their toe in the streaming waters with ESPN Plus. So you know, they just kind of checked up all the boxes. You know, then the economy kind of went bad. You got you got Google and Amazon laying off 10,000 people. You've got Bob Iger back at Disney telling ESPN, you know, you, you can't buy everything. And, you know, so one or two things has happened. Either they haven't got their number yet, or it's a deal that is, you know, so convoluted and so new and such a different paradigm than what people have seen in the past that they're still negotiating it and the lawyers are just, you know, haggling over everything. That's one of the things I can think, because, you know, if it was just a standard deal, like what Fox and ESPN did with the big 12, maybe to sign an extension of the existing, you know, an amendment to the, excuse me, an amendment to the existing agreement and you're off to the races. It's just not that complicated. So, you know, it's either, I guess they're not getting their money. They haven't got to the money they want yet, or they haven't figured out the right, combination of outlets to get to the money they want um and or there's it's a deal that's you know just overly complicated and they're trying to get it all papered before they get it out but i agree with pretty much everybody out there they need to get it out pretty soon bob thompson is our guest uh bob you were part of the uh group that uh, co-founded the big 10 network um i would just like your thoughts on how the landscape has changed and how much of a game changer that the big 10 network was and did you ever think that it would be the entity that it is now kind of being the, the leader in the clubhouse from when you first launched it and has it lived up to the expectations that you had? I think I wouldn't want to try and do it uh, in this day and age, but I think back in 2007, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a pretty good, pretty good uh, gamble. Um, you know, the first year was rough. I had to listen to a lot of athletic directors and a lot of college or <clears throat> institution presidents who, who weren't real happy. And it was a bit of a street brawl, but I tell you, there's nobody else I'd rather be in a street mall with, brawl with than, than Jim Delaney. So it was, it was an interesting year, but, you know, by the second kickoff or the kickoffs for the second football season, we were on pretty much everywhere. And, you know, it's turned into a tremendous success for, for the conference and for the, the institutions in the conference. And I think it's really kind of became the, uh, standard bearer for the for the others that are out there, be it SEC network, ACC network, or Pac-12 networks. I think they're they all provide a, a tremendous um, amount of value to the conference and to their institutions, as well as to the student athletes and donors, alumni, etc. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to bring up was when we start talking about potential additions for a conference, especially when they're seemingly used as leverage to maybe get a media deal, what from, from your perspective do networks look for when a conference says, well, we're thinking about adding this member? Cause you hear a number of things, right? Eyeballs in the market. Um, 
you know, I, I, we also lived in a time when you had the expansion, right, with, with Maryland and also Rutgers into the Big Ten where it was more about the cable box in general, uh, and the, the dynamic has changed so much then. So what, what do you look for now when you talk about potential members if it's going to add to an overall media deal? Well, you know, being a TV guy, I'm always still going to look at the market first and, and see what they bring. But I think, you know, in this day and age, a lot of the markets are the great markets are are pretty much latched onto. But so you're going to look for you're going to look for tradition. You're going to look for you know rivalries with uh, other potential out, you know institutions that they're moving to the conference that they're moving to. Uh, certainly, you, you want to look at uh, alumni support, uh, donor support. Um, are, are the programs growing? Are they stagnant? Are they, you know, in decline? Uh, those are the types of things. And then I think certainly for a conference, they're looking at those things, and they're also looking for a kind of a cultural, <laughs> a cultural fit. Right? Yeah. You know, having dealt with conferences across the country, they all have kind of a different culture and, and fit and feel. And you, you, once you get around it enough, you, you can see it and you can, you can look at a school and say, that guy belongs here or that guy belongs there because, you know, just purely because of the culture. Last one I have is I read an article the other day that was talking about how not only Gen Z, uh, but now we're to a generation like Alpha, I believe, but it keeps um, – keeps people in the entertainment industry up at night in terms of viewing numbers and especially when it comes to live sports. Uh, what does the future for live sports look like, whether it's through streaming or for linear TV with a younger generation that maybe doesn't necessarily show as much care or dedication to that as what, say, the Generation X did or even other generations? Is, is, is that a legit threat and, and, how, uh, and how TV looks through a lens about what are we trying to do to, to grasp a hold of the younger sports audience? I think it's, a, it's always a concern. And there's, you know, younger audiences have been um, difficult to reach for years. It's not something that's new. Um, sports tend to skew a little older. Certain sports tend to skew a little older. And I think the, the networks and the distributors of content is something they have to figure out. You know, they, the younger people are consuming a huge amount of content. It's just in like 30 and 60 second bits on, you know, YouTube or TikTok and things like that. They've got to turn it out of the way and, and get those people to become fans so that they, you know, become more engaged in, in the telecast and more engaged with the teams. You know, you got to get them out to the stadiums. You got to. It's hard to sit and watch games on TV if you've never been there. You know, it's a totally different experience being there as opposed to being on TV. And I truly believe that if you've never been to a, a, a game in person, you don't really get the full effect of a TV broadcast. So, you know, things like that will, will make a big difference. But I, I really think that they're going to have to continue to, you know with a concerted effort to figure out ways to reach the, the younger viewers, because you, you don't want that portion of your audience to, to not be engaged. It's too important because they're your future viewers for the next 40 or 50 years. Yeah. I laughed at first when I heard Mark say, uh, Mark Cuban uh, say, I would like to convince or uh, 
condense an NBA game or a Maverick game into a TikTok video. And I, I laughed at just the overall thought of that in the first place. But when I heard him explain it more about trying to get that amount of content in that smaller window for doing it, I mean, that's, that's almost exactly right in line with what you're talking about uh, with where that younger audience is going to be. So it's, this is a, a, an incredibly fascinating time. And I can't wait to see how it continues to evolve over the next five, ten years, even further on down the road when – my daughter's as old as I am now. Uh, it could be look. It could look like a completely different landscape for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, but one thing I'm pretty sure is we'll be talking about conference uh, expansion and realignment again here in about five more years. There is no doubt in my mind that we will absolutely be talking about it. No matter if we go on a six-month respite from it, it'll be brought back up for sure. Bob, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for taking a few moments with us uh, here in Tulsa. Uh, greatly appreciate the insight, and we look forward to doing it again soon. All right, sounds good. You guys have a good week. Uh, you too. That is uh, Bob Thompson joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Uh, he is a uh, gentleman that uh, not only the retired president of Fox Sports Networks, but also the co-founder of the Big Ten Network. Let's take a timeout. Uh, when we come back on the opposite side, um, Matt, one of the things that we need to talk to him about next time, and look, we can do it like a month or two months from now, or maybe when the new rules pass, but from his perspective, and I should have asked today, but I'll save it for the next conversation. We him and haw over the new rules and say, hey, why don't you just cut out a few commercial breaks, which is laughable to me. But how important is it for a network like Fox to shorten game times from a television perspective? And is there a way for him to be able to explain that to the audience that makes sense without everyone just yelling, you're ruining the sport of football? Because um, we have a tendency to go overboard at times, uh, but they're not going to change the amount of inventory that exists in a game. But I think a lot of this is we want to make sure that a game is scheduled that starts at 11, is over by the time we get to that 2.30 window where we don't have any crossover, especially when we're spending this amount of money on the product for you to watch. Time out. We're live from Mike's Chili House here at 11th and Rockford, uh, the physical address is 1503 East 11th Street here in Tulsa, hanging out this afternoon on National Chili Day. And Colby Daniels joins us next year on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.